Welcome into the Rutgers Scoutcast. I am Sam Hellman, the host of this here podcast, part of the Scarlet Report Network over on 24-7 Sports. And if you're into journalism, hardcore, you probably know what the title of this show means. But before we get into any of that, signing day is very close. National Signing Day, their first early signing period after the NCAA allowed rule changes. Well, we're less than a week away as you listen to this. Heck, if you waited a little while to listen to this, signing day might have already happened. Maybe you're listening to this in 2021. I don't know. But it is going to be the focus of our show today. National recruiting analyst Brian Doan is back on the program and really with with the purpose of this show, I didn't see I didn't see any value in having a, any guest other than Brian on the show. So what can you expect from this episode? We're going to preview National Signing Day a little bit, and we're going to talk about the latest commitment to the recruiting class, and that is wide receiver tight end Jalen Jordan from IMG Academy, Artur Sikowski's boy down in Florida. We're going to break down that commitment and look a little bit ahead into what could be coming over the next week. If you want the real details on what is coming over the next couple weeks and how this recruiting class is going to finish, We have a premium podcast dropping Friday afternoon that our members on Scarlet Report can listen to. If you are not a member, if you just listen on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever else this goes to, I don't even know anymore, don't worry. You can listen to it too. Just use that seven-day free trial option listen to the podcast. And heck, if you sign up as you're listening to this Friday or Saturday, that'll get you through the first signing period. It'll get you all the way to Christmas as far as just a free trial. Cancel later. I don't care. At least give it a shot and see if you like it. So we're going to get into Jalen Jordan with Brian Doan here in a minute. After that, we're going to talk a little bit recapping the last season of Rutgers football, which we haven't had an opportunity to do very much on the podcast. Of course, we've been doing it ad nauseum on Scarlet Report, but for those of you that are not Scarlet Report members or prefer a different medium or whatever, we're going to talk a little bit of Rutgers football 2017, looking ahead to spring practice. And we're going to close out the show talking Rutgers-Seton Hall basketball. Sold out. Garden State Hardwood Classic from the Rack on Saturday. Here's Brian Doan and Sam Hellman. Welcome into the Rutgers Scoutcast. We're back after a week off, joined by CBS National Recruiting Analyst Brian Doan. Rutgers got some good midweek recruiting news, Brian, and it's been probably a better better couple weeks of official visits than your average Rutgers fan expected, wouldn't you say? I would say so, but I think one of the things you're seeing with it is the early signing period. And so these visits that would have taken place, you know, whatever, the 22nd-ish, whatever of January, are now taking place in December, not just with Rutgers, but across the country. Uh, I, I think one thing you look at, though, is fans love to wonder about when a recruit sees an offense not go well, you know, not perform well, and uncertainty with the uh, offensive coordinator and right. and his health, there's panic. But why is Jalen Jordan picking Rutgers? Well, A, he's originally from Philly, has a lot of family in Philly and North Jersey, which I'm sure everybody that read the story saw. He has a tight relationship with Art Sikowski, who he called his best friend in the story that I wrote on it. And... He believes in the coaching staff, and that coaching staff starts with Chris Ash and the vision, not only developing him as a player, but also academically what he can do for him after football and, and with Rutgers. 
And so that's the stuff you're always looking for. A coach leaving, it may impact one kid here, one kid there. It doesn't impact a group of kids. Each kid has its own individual preference on what they want in a school and a coach. And Jalen Jordan believes in what Rutgers is doing, and he really believes in Art Sitkowski because he's been with them for the past year, and now he's going to be with them for the next it's kids. Three, four, five yeah, years. Art's, Take a, your pick. Art's a quarterback, so let's just say two and a half over under. <laughs> well, not just that. But, it's a quarterback. You know, every kid that comes in, I'm going to, you know, remember when it was uh, blessed to spend my next three, four years at because these kids are thinking of leaving early. And this gives them a kid that they don't have. They don't have a kid that size can go get the ball. I think he grows into a tight end. I think he can start out as a receiver. We'll see if he red shirts, but he's also a really smart kid, um, intelligent, and and also a good kid. This is a kid I just started dealing with about a month ago. And, look, we knew he was going to commit. And he hit me up saying, hey, let me know what you need before so you can be ready for it. And it tells you that the kid gets it. He's smart. He's thoughtful. And then you look at his answers, and they're really well done. The, the thing that I like about Jordan most, and I've only been following him for a couple months now, you look at his skill set, and it's multiple things that Rutgers needs you look at how Rutgers used its tight ends this year and regardless of Jerry Kill and the decision that he makes tight end is still in the plans when you have a guy like Jerome Washington and Travis Volkolek kind of developing behind but when your tight end is your leading wide receiver and you're a tight end recruit and you see that tight end is going to be here one year more max then you like that. You say, well, I can be the next Jerome Washington. Jerome Washington left New Jersey to go play in Florida. Now he's back, and he's an NFL prospect. Jalen Jordan is thinking the same thing, leaving Philly to go down to Georgia and Florida. He can come back and maybe be that leading target for Rutgers in the future. So I like that. And then obviously the height is something you like because Rutgers doesn't have a ton of height as far as its pass catchers. They have a couple tall tight ends. They have Tyler Hayek, who's about 6'3", and then they have a bunch of short guys. So Jalen Jordan has to be looked at as a red zone threat. Now, I know everyone says, of course, everyone that's 6'5 is a red zone threat, and it doesn't work like that. Ask Carlton Agadosi. But he's big. He runs well. He can be a tight end. But you said it as well, Brian. He's a good kid. He's very smart. He wants to enroll early and work hard. And, look, receivers and tight ends really didn't do much in terms of production. So playing time's up for grabs. It's a build, right? And, and when you watch... Rutgers offense you see well, a lot of things but the two things that jump out is wait I'm a quarterback I can play there really early Jalen Chapman or Sikowski that's why you bring in two and they're both excited to come and if you're a receiver you either say wait they don't get the ball to the receivers I don't want to go there or you say boy they don't have any receivers to get the ball too I can't wait to go there and play and with you know Jalen Jordan looks at the fact of they don't have a lot of guys. They don't have a lot of guys that have his size. And he's got good speed. You know, he's he's a 4'6 kid. So he'll be able to stretch the field a little bit with size. And, and then you just hope he's really good at tracking the ball and he can high point it and use that height to his advantage. It's all part of the remake. And, again, it's why you can't start judging Chris Ash's rebuild at this juncture. You, you have to let it take its course. You know, we say this every once in a while, but recruiting is about relationships. Really? really? Is that new? And that's how you get a kid like Jordan 
late. He wasn't really looking at Rutgers seriously six months ago, but he's got a relationship with Artur Sikowski. His best friend is Raheem Black... Or, sorry, his cousin is Raheem Blackshear's best friend. He's from Philly. He's got family in Jersey. Relationships. You know... Hey, you know who the, who the strength and conditioning coach is at IMG Academy? It's Jay Butler. For the younger fans, before there was Kenny Parker or Jeremy Cole, there was Jay Butler. And he's the guy at IMG training kids now. I mean... I don't know, Jeremy. I've blanked that whole middle part out between the Shiano and Ash. I think, I think Kamoko Ture would like to do the same thing. <laughs> um, Who? <laughs> there, there's a lot of people down at IMG that feel good about Rutgers, and it's not just Jay Butler. I, I know there's some Rutgers grads that work in that area or in that program. So there's a ton of relationships that get him interested, and then the school itself sells him, and you have a commitment. Raekwon O'Neal, you ever hear him? The, the offensive tackle committed to Rutgers out of Conway, South Carolina. Why the interest in Rutgers? Why were they able to beat some just really big schools? Uh, you know, he's got a lot of family in Brooklyn, so it was uh, enables him to play close to family. But that's not enough. You then have to build a relationship and continue to build it. And when Rutgers was going down to Conway, South Carolina, I know A.J. Blazek recruits all over the place, but I have to believe he was spending a little bit of time at Broadway at the beach, you know, Myrtle Beach, and hanging out there. It's a nice place to recruit in the winter. But relationships, they kept going down, built a strong relationship. O'Neill kept telling them, hey, I'm staying with you, I'm staying with you, I'm staying with you. You know, it works both ways, and they have strong relationships. And and one of I, I still remember when O'Neill first committed, talking to our guys down there, and they said, man, I, I don't know the last time <laughs> that, that Rutgers beat out South Carolina. That's a really, bad, Mark, that's a really bad Michael Clark. Yeah, thanks. Uh, people down there were surprised when Rutgers beat out South Carolina for a kid. Rutgers has never done that. I remember when Michael Clark went to visit his school before he committed, and he goes, "You know Raekwon O'Neal?" And I'm like, "Yeah, you know a little bit." You're I not know gonna, of you're him. not going to try the accent. <laughs> no, no, I I said I know a little bit of him because it's not my territory, um, so I didn't get to know him right away. And he's like, "Yeah, I showed up to school and he had on a Rutgers shirt." I'm like, "What?" Yeah, and so O'Neill has been on the Rutgers um, train for a while. And it's again, though, he got committed, and it's not like all of a sudden they stopped visiting him and forgot about him. You keep recruiting him until he signs, and that's what they've done. And that's what the difference is with this staff than maybe what people were used to the past few years. For more on recruiting, and especially there's a big official visit weekend coming up, uh, as Rutgers finishes off its build to the early signing period, which is now basically the signing period, like Brian said, uh, you you can stay tuned to our site for Friday afternoon. We'll have a premium podcast for members of the site only, where we're going to break down what to expect for this official visit season and how the recruit how we expect the class to close out. But moving on, Brian, we haven't really recapped the season or looked ahead to spring on the podcast. We did a we did a series for our premium Scarlet Report members looking ahead to spring and recapping the series. But for people on the podcast, do you have, now that we've had a couple weeks to digest and, you know, just hearing how things are going in the off season, does anything stand out to you as we start to build towards the 2018 season for this football team? I'm going to try to sum up the 17 season in a succinct matter. Okay. Offense, terrible. Defense, improved. Coaching, good. Special teams, market improvement. 
that's all you need to say about 17. Move to 18. Fire bad, yeah. Fire bad. Well, it depends. Yeah, 2018 is, is going to be a Sometimes big... it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Eh, you just eh. don't know sometimes. 2018 is the year where a lot of people are going to start looking for wins and looking for bowl games. And it's not just because it's year three of Chris Ash's rebuild, but it is also not a tough schedule. The Big Ten part is tough. But overall, it's a pretty favorable schedule for Rutgers. Uh, if you go to scarletknights.com, they've already turned over the schedule. You can check it out there and break down if they're going to beat Texas State and all that kind of stuff. But Texas State could have that inside knowledge. That is true. Big Coach Zach Core down there. Oh, boy. Exactly. Speaking of coaching changes that helped the program, um, <laughs> it, it, it's all going to oh, come. Boy. It's all going to come down to. For me in the spring, what I'm looking for is quarterbacks. No one's going to win the job, and whoever does win the job or becomes the leader coming out of spring, they're not going to hold the job the whole season. You've, you've, you all have seen this enough times. We've all seen this enough times with the quarterback that even... You the can, only thing missing in this quarterback battle is Ned Ryerson. Yeah, but the thing is, even... Like, look at... So, Tom Savage, probably the the most high-profile quarterback since Mike Teal left, right? Even Tom Savage couldn't hold on to the job for a season. Dom Natale beat him out as a freshman to start the opener, and then as a sophomore, Chase Dodd took his job, so Savage transferred. Even Mike Teal, his senior year, everyone was praying for Jabu Lovelace or Dom Natale to come take the job. Like, it doesn't matter if Artur Sikowski or whomever... It doesn't matter what you... Sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Dwayne. Uh doesn't matter how well they play. There's going to be a bunch of quarterbacks to play this year. I'm going to put the over-under at two and a half different starting quarterbacks this year. But at least they have depth. At least this spring you're not talking about a spring game that is Gio Ruscino versus a walk-on that isn't even going to be on the roster for the season. There's actually like three or four quarterbacks that are going to sling it out in that game. Boy, spring practice already, huh? Yeah. I, I look at it from this standpoint, and I get what you're talking about with Chris Ash and getting a ball game. I don't think you have to get to a ball game in year three. I think you better go into that last weekend with a chance to play, you know, or, or have that, have the opportunity where you have five wins before the last game. I think that's important, but more important than that is, you know, you're going to be starting a young quarterback probably. If not, something has gone horribly wrong because you're going to have Chapman, Sitkowski, Jonathan Lewis, and you know, G will stay is my understanding. You'll have a good secondary back because Bless is supposed to come back and everything's good there. Um, you know, you, you have you have to figure out the middle of your offensive line. You have to find out who your running back is going to be. Um, if you've read the site, you kind of know who your running back will likely be if you've been on the message boards. And that, that might come up in this afternoon's <clears throat> premium podcast as well. Uh, yeah, so it's a good time to subscribe. Free seven-day trial. But anyway, you know... You want to see the improvement. You want to see the offense do better. You want to see guys like Bo Melton and Shameen Jones, and, and whether it's Everett Wormley and Jay, you know, does Jalen Jordan play? James Washington, I mean Jerome Washington, now that he has a year of experience under his belt in that in the offense. Doesn't matter who's running the offense. It's you, you would think conceptually it's going to be similar. Uh, you know, a lot of things are starting to be in place. I, I still worry about linebacker depth. Um, I don't know who's going to get to the quarterback from the defensive line, but maybe your linebackers who are younger are better blitzers because they can't be worse than the ones that you just had. So there's a lot of things. But, yeah, I, I think 
this is when you start getting excited is year three is where you should be able to see some real tangible results. I, I think the first year was just, it wasn't even about coaching. It was about cleaning up the program. The second year was about, okay, now you know the system, but boy, do we need players. And now the third year, those kids that you recruited who are now redshirt freshmen who didn't play or true sophomores who did play, it's time to take that next step. Speaking of next steps, Rutgers basketball is trying to take the next step tomorrow. Tell you what, that's exciting. It's this reminds me of the Terry Shea days of that bad, huh? Well, no, no. This is in a good way, but we always have to preface it with something horrible. But it was like, okay, you get through football season, make them competitive. Even your early seasons with Shiano, keep them competitive. Give yourself hope, and then when basketball starts in November, get excited and, okay, let's see how good this team can be. And I don't mean to steal your thunder, Sam, but uh, I think my excitement is probably more than yours when it comes to basketball because yes. I, I don't have to sit at practice all the time. And and I don't care about Rutgers and Seton Hall the way that... I don't care about Let's that. just say I don't care about it the way Jerry Carino cares about it. Nobody cares about it the way Jerry Carino <laughs> <laughs> Or Kevin... Steve Peichel yeah. doesn't care that much. Whoever the Seton Hall coach is doesn't care that much. Yeah. Um, but, which is good. Hey, look. With all due respect. Well, no, but the good thing, look, we, we love Jerry. That's why we kid. But the thing is, at least he's excited. I mean, Jerry's there covering games and writing stuff excited about it and, and making it some type of event instead of just ignoring it and not covering games. You saw Florida State. It showed you some potential. What bothered me about the Florida State game, to be honest, and and not just Florida State, but some of the others, including Michigan State, was I was really hoping they found a guy who could hit the shot that they needed to hit at a key point. And I'm not saying with 12 seconds left, hit the jumper. I'm talking about when it's a six-point game, can you hit that basket to either make it a nine-point lead or pull within three, depending where you are, and, and kind of get that run. And what I learned was... Geo Baker's fearless in taking that shot, sometimes the wrong shot, but it's also not good when it's a true freshman who's going to step up and take that shot, and I really hope that they had a guy that could make that shot, and I don't think they have him yet. I think they have him. I don't think they have him ready yet. Can can you have... So the next time you talk to Pico, maybe suggest using that guy there, because I'm not seeing it. Because Geo Baker and Issa Chom are both very good shooters. They're just not there yet because they're Geo Baker is clearly tired. I mean, this is a kid that's being asked to play 33 minutes a night after a light high school schedule and he's banging against Michigan State inside for fighting for rebounds. That's tough. And Issa Chom, again, great, you're up 12 pounds for last year. So what, you weigh 30 pounds now? <laughs> well, the thing about Issa Chom, though, is this. If he ever gets in a rhythm where he's really confident that he can shoot under duress, like the kid from Michigan State who's knocking down those threes from the corner with a guy right on him. Right. Well, Miles Bridges is a lottery pick. Well, no, no, I get that. But but Chom has that length to be able to shoot over people. you got to find that guy. But the other thing that's, that is hopeful to me as you move forward, and I'd like to see him win some Big Ten games early on in the, in the conference season once January hits. But, you know... This team has now morphed from finding a way to survive against the Fairfields and stuff like that to actually handling business. It's funny. I was talking to a guy 
before the last two games, right? Uh, Fairfield and like I can't remember who the other one was right before that. You mean Fordham, but that's okay. Oh, that's what I meant, Fordham. Yeah, it begins with an F. Oh. It's got a couple of vowels in it. And uh, he's like, oh, they're going to lose. Oh, they're going to lose. And I texted him at halftime of both games being like, yeah, you're pretty good with you know uh, prognostications and all. But that's a difference. All of a sudden yeah, now yeah. they figure out, hey, you're, you're doing what you're supposed to do at home. It's not squeaking by like they did last year against whomever it was where they rallied from like an eight-point deficit in the last three minutes to win against some mid-major that I can't even remember. But, you know, you kind of can see the steps still going. And, and just like in football with Ash, Peichel is only, you know, this is only his second year. And he's done a really good job with remaking the roster, finding some good players. They're well coached. Um, you know, you just can't teach a kid to be a really good shooter if you're not a really good shooter. I get why uh, why nationally a lot of people are saying, oh, we don't believe in Rutgers. Oh, what a terrible schedule. Their schedule is not nearly as bad as people are crushing them for. They've played – Seton Hall will be the third-ranked team that they play before you go into the Big Ten schedule where there's legit talent. So it's not like they're cakewalking through. I get that people are ripping them for the CCNY game. Fine. They got what they wanted to get out of it. Whatever. So people are going to rip the schedule, and that will probably hurt them if it gets to talking about postseason stuff depending on how Rutgers performs. But the fact that postseason comes up at all. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly it. Um, we're sitting here talking about if Rutgers gets to the point where people are ripping them for their schedule when you're talking about postseason, then it's been a colossally successful season. It's a lot different than losing 93-32 to to Louisville in the uh, AAC tournament. <laughs> Forgot about that. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, oh boy, those were the days, huh? Those were the days. Good old Rick Patino. Oh boy. <laughs> um, so yeah, they've improved a lot. I, I'm not picking them to beat Seton Hall, but I don't see why they can't give them a scare or maybe beat them. I mean, I could have sworn somebody texted me the other day that Rutgers was going to beat Seton Hall after the Fordham win. I, I think he said that ironically, and I. What about sarcastically? <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's probably a better word for it. Here's the thing. They put a real scare into Michigan State. And that's Michigan State is pretty much the favorite to win the NCAA tournament this year. Uh, Michigan State has... What about your Dukies? Uh, I Not mean, after du- losing to the fighting bombs. That's a, ba- that's a bad loss. It's a bad loss. To, if only Eli Carter had a sixth year to... Uh, or a seventh year to play for Boston College again. <laughs> um, what is he, a sophomore now? <laughs> yeah. So... Michigan State is as good as it gets in college basketball, period. And Rutgers scared them. Rutgers had them on the ropes, and if they didn't shoot 27%, it would have been a totally different game. But again, they did shoot 27%, and they lost. Well, they and they also shot 27% because Michigan State was guarding them. Right. But what happens if Angel Delgado fouls out and Rutgers has some juice in the post? What happens if... I mean, it's Rutgers and Seton Hall. Something dumb is going to happen. What if it's in Rutgers' favor? I'll tell you what. Here, here's here's how I'll close it, Brian. We're done talking hoops already. Yeah, we're definitely. I'm I'm all hoops out. Oh, so I'll make it go longer. The last time that Rutgers hosted Seton Hall, I left at halftime. It was such a blowout, and Rutgers happened to hire a football coach at halftime of the game. It was such a. That blo- was that day. It was the day that Chris. I Ash was on was the hired. field in the end zone at Rutgers Stadium when I got the text. Hey, Chris Ash is getting hired, <laughs> and I remember calling you. I was in the media workroom because uh, us us and NJ.com broke it pretty much at the same time. Chris Ash, done deal. 
five-year deal. I was standing with Rick Manns in the end zone at Rutgers Stadium at the state championship with him and Joe Rossi. There you go. And it was such a blowout that I left. I went over to the stadium with you so we could go film some stuff or I could talk to recruits. I forgot about that. It was freezing, wasn't it? It's always freezing for state title games. That's how much of a waste of time this game was two years ago. Now it's sold out and Rutgers by no means is a favorite, but Kevin Willard, you could tell from what he's saying and the way he's acting this week, Kevin Willard is at least somewhat scared of what Rutgers has to offer in a home environment. Is Willard so afraid that he's actually letting his players talk to the media? Uh, I think so. Oh, wow. Wow, that would be a change. And thank you to Brian Doan for joining us again here on the program. Uh, And now for the hard part. So if you know know journalism, maybe you're a fan of The Wire, maybe you're just well-read or got lucky uh the that symbol that 30 symbol that you see is the name of this episode that's been used forever it's it's what i used to use when i worked in newspapers you know student newspapers it's what you put to signify the end of your story it's to make sure that it's to make sure that you didn't accidentally leave off the second page when you file a story you know back in the day when you're hunting down payphones to send in your story you have that 30 symbol at the end to say this is the end of the story. And for the Rutgers Scout cast, this is the end of the story. It's been a lot of fun. Almost 80 episodes, more like 85 if you include some of the specials that we have done. But it is time to close the book on the Rutgers Scout cast. Why, you ask? Well, it wasn't an easy decision for me, but a lot of changes have gone down behind the scenes And I feel like we were very successful in what we set out to do. It's not that download numbers have dropped. It's not that I'm not making enough money because I didn't do this to make money and download numbers are at an all-time high right now. It's that we started this podcast to bring new users into Scarlet Report. And after almost two years of doing it, I, I think we can call that mission accomplished. And now it's time for me to devote the little free time I have to other ways of growing the business and taking the next step. So I I do appreciate everyone that's hit subscribe or reviewed us on iTunes. We're the most reviewed Rutgers podcast out there. And believe me, we have some competition. And now that this show is coming to an end, you know, there's other shows out there if you want to keep Rutgers in your podcast rotation. But unfortunately for the Rutgers ScoutCast and Scout, which no longer exists, this is the end of the road. I want to uh, thank Brian for all the time he's given. He's been on probably 65 episodes. A lot of his free time has gone into this. For me, behind the scenes, editing audio, I'm certainly not going to miss the... Some of uh, editing Brian's audio, given that I don't think he quite knows how microphones work. Uh, with the lip smacking and the hand wringing, but I did enjoy having him on the show, and I think it was a great way to see how we work and how we communicate and to pass on information in a way that you can't do by writing an article or doing a slideshow. So I'm proud of that. I'm proud of what we've been able to do on the Rutgers ScoutCast, but we're pulling a George Costanza. We're going out on a high note. So I have been the host of the Rutgers ScoutCast, Sam Hellman. It's been my pleasure to do this, and I thank everyone that has come to 
Scarlet Report because of this podcast, and I thank everyone for listening.